Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. has become very good at talking about things that don't matter. Church has become very good about making people feel good when they leave here. My goal today isn't to make us feel good. My goal today is for us to bring glory to God no matter what status we're in. As a Jesus follower, the end game of my life should be to bring glory to God no matter what I'm going through in my life. I get a little aggravated at people in my profession who always do talks about God wants you happy and God wants you joy. And I believe all those are true, but let me remind you that Paul died in a prison cell. Let me remind you that the greatest Jesus followers end of their life were not the happiest of circumstances. You see, God promises us not happiness. God promises us that he will be with us through the rest of this life. And when we enter into eternal life, he will be rejoicing with us forever and ever. Amen. And so as we talk about being a Jesus follower, it's important to note that the message today, no matter what status you're in, isn't about you being successful. It's about you being useful for the kingdom of God. Say the word useful with me. Ready? Useful. Say it. Useful. Useful to the kingdom of God. You know what I found? My, my greatest moments in my relationship with God is not my happiest times, but my most useful times in the kingdom of God. And so today we're talking about the most rewarding but hardest relational status of all, and that is parenting. Can I get a witness in the room in the house of God? Parenting. Parenting. And, and, and teaching on the topic of parenting can be very difficult. Many people have bad memories of their parents. We live in a world today that's very broken, very messy. There's no doubt some of you are in this room that you have bad memories of your childhood a childhood of abuse, a childhood where a step-parent has hurt you, a childhood where family has come in and blended and it didn't go so well, or you feel like your dad abandoned you or he did abandon you, or mom, or whatever it may be. It's hard and difficult to teach on parenting when you go and you, you really lean into a broken world because there's many people who have bad memories of their parenting. And teaching on the topic of parenting can be difficult. Some abuse, some absent from their lives, and so on and so forth when it comes to parents. Parents with difficult children, either still at home or out on their own, can feel awkward during a message like this. Some of you who've already reared your children and you feel bad from the mistakes you've made, or maybe you're estranged from your parents or your children and it's hurting you or maybe this message might bring back bad memories. There's many single parents even in our church today that struggle and they could struggle with this message on parenting because they feel as though their home doesn't match other people's home in the church. And that's the point of this series 
is to get you to understand in a broken world and a broken home that God can still be glorified in your life. And I would say to you today that we have to really come to grips with the truth of what people are dealing with. Some of you have been carrying around abusive relationships in your childhood. And if you keep carrying that around, you're just bringing that into a marriage, into parenting. Some of you are parenting the way your parents parented you and that you despise, but the default memory in your life kicks in and you're parenting that way even though you don't want to. And it's important for us to understand that with God, we can overcome. When we lean into our relationship with Jesus, then we can overcome our past and we can move forward to a brighter future, glorifying God. Many single parents struggle. Those who do not have children can be prone to see this message as not relevant to their lives. A message on parenting is significant for people of any status because we are the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ, it's important for us to make sure that we are involved with other members of the body of Christ. Even if there are bad memories or current struggles associated with parenting, the Bible gives both the correct parenting strategy as well as the promises of God's grace for those who fail. We've become so, uh, um, so sensitive in our culture that we skirt now from the truth of what will help us be successful in relationships. Just because you had a bad experience doesn't mean God's word isn't true. Sometimes we go through bad experiences not because of anything other than life is broken through a broken world with many hurts that God tells us one day he's going to make every wrong right when he comes for his own. And so you cannot look through the lens of God's word with your emotions and experiences. You must look through the lens of God's word with the truth of who he is and who he wants to be in your life. And he can change your world and turn it upside down for good when you lean in to a relationship with Jesus and deny your circumstance or emotions. So I want to lean into the truth of God's word today. People who are not currently parents, maybe parents in the future, may feel some roles which can be similar to parenting. There's many experts on parenting. In fact, Amazon currently sells over 20,000 books on parenting. There are many expert opinions on how parenting should be done. Even in the church, I don't know, sometimes the church is just crazy. You meet people in the church that they, they always are the experts. In, in fact, I was in a meeting the other day and, and this, this family introduced me to an expert in parenting who was giving them some counsel about their parenting. I said, oh, how many children do you have? And he said, well, none. I, I looked at the family and said, run. <laughs> or I don't know if you've ever gone to church and air, the, certain people always have to be in the expert position. They're always telling you what you need to do or do better or what you've done wrong. And they're always in the expert position. 
Can I tell you, and just quite frankly, as a pastor of a church, that's not of God. It may seem of God, but there is only one God and they're not it. Am I messing anybody's world and church life up? I mean, they want to just tell you everything about how you should live your life. There's no experts when it comes to parenting. If there was, there wouldn't be a new podcast every month on parenting. Podcast, books, or people talking about their success in parenting can bring more depression than help sometimes. Can I just tell you this? Instagram family is a lie. (laughs) It's a lie. Can I tell you, if you see on Facebook that picture of teenagers and smaller children with their mom and dad and family with the ocean behind them with big cheesy smiles on their face, it is a lie. Someone's been threatened, someone's had an argument. There is no family on God's earth that smiles at the same moment in time without a threat in the name of Jesus. Do not buy in the lie of Instagram. It is not real. If every photo on Instagram is of the Bible in a coffee mug, just throw up for that person. Life is not that easy. Life is messy. And there's, I'm going to really shock you. You're going to walk out of this message. Your pastor does not win spiritually some days. There's no Instagram, Bible, and coffee mug some days in my life. It's a mess. My flesh some days gets a hold of me, and I'm better fleshly than I am spiritually some days. Everybody all right in here? You see, because... Jesus isn't about a religion. He's about an individual relationship. But you know what we do in our homes? We treat all children the same when God has made each individual person in his own image. Everybody's home is different. There's blended homes in this room. There's homes where they, they, they're not blended. They've been married for a long time. There's single parents in this room. There's all different walks of life. There's all different, uh, uh, different backgrounds and different parts of the country and different cultures. And so today, I, I don't want to come to you as the expert on the subject of parenting. I want to share with you what the author of the home says about parenting. And that is God. That is God. It's significant to note this. I want you to understand this. When God deals with human beings, he deals with them in scripture through the relationship as children. Let let me give you quickly uh, 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 some some samples of this. It's significant to see that God defines his relationship to Christians as parent-child relationship. So, So let's look at them. Some biblical passages which illustrate this include Matthew 6, 9. Jesus taught us to pray to our Father. Matthew 7, 7, 11, God is a good father who gives good things to his children. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11, God disciplined us because we are his children. Can, can I just say this? Can I tell you this? Some of you may have had an absent father, an abusive father, a hurtful father. Some of you may not be happy with your father, but don't put that on the heavenly father. You see, the heavenly father and the earthly father are not the same. 
And many of you are treating your heavenly father like you would treat your earthly father, whether it's a non-existent relationship or you see God as someone who looks down at you, waiting on you to fail or to correct you for your performance. And our heavenly father sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the sin debt. So the performance has already been given. It is over. All you have to do is dive into the love of the heavenly father. And that's what he wants you to know is no matter if you had an absent dad or a present dad, the heavenly father is the greatest relationship of them all. We keep reading here. Galatians 4, 1 through 7, God adopts us into his family and makes his his children. John 1, 12, all who receive Jesus are called children of God. Romans 8, 15, Christians are able to call God Abba, Father. 1 John 3, 1, God shows his great love for us by calling us his children. So today... I'm not going to come to you to be an expert on child rearing with all the tools for child rearing. And the more added each year, it is becoming obvious to me that no one seems to have the market cornered on this subject. The fact is, is every child is different. One common thread all of our children have is that they were made in the image of God. If this is the case, I would think it would be logical, just logical, to go to God's word to see what he says about the matter of rearing children. There's one verse of scripture that I want you to look to. We've been going through Ephesians. And in this passage of Ephesians, Paul, which was a pastor, the church of Ephesus, was writing to the church about how to behave with other human beings. He talks about being just a Christian, the way you respond to life, single. He really was even discussing Dating, I believe all these attributes to how you should be a Christian follows into Ephesians. Then he comes to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4 and talks about parenting. In Ephesians 6, 4, the Bible says, Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's important to remember that Paul's instruction to parents are given in a series of commands that govern human relationships. For the Christian, all of these relationships rely upon being filled with the Spirit. If you truly have a relationship with Jesus, can I get you to put your pen down for a moment and for you to meditate on the fact that no matter what you receive today, if you're not being led by the Spirit of God, you will end up falling in your parenting. You see, the Spirit of God is the secret weapon of a parent. The Spirit of God is a secret weapon to the Jesus follower that others don't have. We're no better than anybody else. We're no better than society. We're no better than anybody or anything. The difference in us should be that we understand how failure can happen in life and how we're sinners saved by grace. And the only good in us is that person not of this world in the spirit of God. So right now, before we move forward, why don't you just ask God and his spirit to guide you today? Now, as we look at this passage of scripture, it's important to note that that the spirit of God can temper you. He can temper your conduct your attitude, thus enabling them to avoid provoking their children to anger. Also, the Holy Spirit gives them the wisdom and enablement they need to train and instruct. Christian parents need the power of the Spirit in their lives to be able to parent well. 
Let me give you a theologian perspective on this verse. Wright makes a helpful observation regarding the culture in the first century in this verse. Paul's instructions to parents and children would have sounded unusual to the original audience in Ephesus. The remarkable thing about this passage, both the commands to children and parents and to those of slaves and masters of that day, is that the children and slaves evidently have, in Paul's eyes, what we would call rights as well as the parents and masters. Paul insists on a mutual responsibility. Parents must behave appropriately towards children, which means not being harsh and provoking children so that they become bitter and want to rebel or run away. Just because you're called dad doesn't give you the right to abuse your leadership. Just because you're called mom doesn't give you the right to respond poorly. You know, we we live in a day where we think conformity and compliance is leadership. We wonder, you know, know, the church gets a lot of the blame, in my opinion, why 18 and 19-year-olds stop going to church when they leave the home. I believe it's because they see something different in the home and then something different at church in the mom and dad. We've made church a weekend event that we attend, and so we act differently on Sunday than we do Monday through Saturday, and we wonder why the student that's following us doesn't lean into their faith. One of the biggest enemies of any relational status, especially parenting, is comparing ourselves to others or getting caught up with the experts in and outside the church. I want you to look at that statement because this is important. Today, I'm going to give you two things from this scripture. You know, there's some days I feel like I'm losing as a parent. There's some days I lost as a parent. Come on, don't leave me. There's some days I feel like I lost in triple overtime as a parent. Come on, can I get, can I get, some, can I get some agreement here? There's some days I feel like I need to trade a child. <laughs> there's some days I question my ability being called a dad. And then there's some days that I feel like I'm really winning. You see, I can give you 20 steps to being a good parent, but it sure would be false because you parent different than me, I parent different than you, and we have different children in the home. But God has given us two things to make sure that's in our home that can make us useful for the kingdom of God. Here's the first one. Parents are not to drive their children to anger. Parents are not to drive their children to anger. Let's look back at Ephesians chapter number six, verse four. Fathers, don't stir up. Notice the words stir up. Say those words with me. Stir up. Say it again. Stir up. Underline it. Write it down. Circle it. Don't stir up anger in your children. You know, people think that when we stir up anger, that means that automatically the child reacts. Did you know that some of you are dealing with a parent that stirred up anger in you? Sometimes the stirring takes longer than others, but the child will implode. When we stir up children, it can last for years. It can last for months. It can last for weeks. And then there's an explosion because we've stirred them up in anger. Did you know that you can stir up children in anger to God? when you're a hypocrite in your home as a Christian? Now, don't, don't get all quiet on me because we're all hypocrites. I, I love when people say, well, church is for hypocrites. That's great. Why don't you join us? 
we're all hypocrites in our life. The difference in a true Jesus follower is admitting that we're hypocrites. The best thing you can do for a child so they don't stir up anger of God is to actually confess that and put a spotlight on it in your home. You don't think your child notices? You don't think your child notices your little cray-cray? You don't think your child notices when you respond wrong? You don't think your child notices when you hit your limit and you go off because there's laundry on the floor of a teenage boy? What boy that's a teenager doesn't have laundry on the floor? Can I get a witness in the house of God? I'm losing you. Here, here, here's, here's what he's saying. Don't stir up. It doesn't mean that we should just let our children do what they want to do. And it's all about unicorns and rainbows. It means that as we lean into our spiritual journey, the best thing that we can do for our children is to lead in our walk with Jesus. So here, here, here's what Paul begins his instructions to parents by telling them what not to do. This method is much like the way that parents speak with their children. God as father is telling his children, Christian parents, how to parent their children. How to parent their children. Paul recognizes that as the dominant person in the ancient household, fathers need special instruction on how to use their positions of authority. Just as he did with husbands, Paul restricts the father's use of his authority to benevolent and positive purposes in the life of the one under his authority. Here's the problem. Many parents are using their authority and out of their insecurity, wanting to be a good parent, instead of their, in their security in the image of God, doing what God's called them to do. Let, let, me, let me explain that again. Most parents are using their authority out of the insecurity of their life instead of in the image of God and who they really are to lead them to glorify God. It's important for us to use our authority, the Bible tells us, for positive purposes that benefit the child and the kingdom of God. In the ancient cultures of Greece and Rome, fathers had great legal power over their children. If a father was evil or very angry with his child, he could legally make life very difficult for the child. Fathers had almost total control over their children's lives. And this could result in a great harm if a father's power was used incorrectly. And if you're a single parent, if you're a single mom, if you're a mom and dad, can I just say to you, we can go to church, put our kids in church programming. We can get our kids around the right influences. But the greatest influence of life is mom and dad and how they treat their creator. And when we don't treat our creator the way we're supposed to treat our creator, that's the picture in the home. It's not that we're perfect, but we don't hide our imperfections. And we admit when we're wrong. Why do we make children admit when they're wrong, but a dad or a mom will never admit when they're wrong? And I am trying to get you to see it's not weakness to say I'm sorry to a child. It's actually strength to say I'm sorry for my hypocrisy to a child. Then they see the grace of God in you, which then they will see who Jesus really is. You know, the greatest thing I did in my family's life, to me anyway, I don't care what they say, it's just me. Years ago, I, I was a pastor in Las Vegas and I put the church over my family. I left them behind. 
my parenting. It's when I made radical changes in my life. I grew up in church home. It's all I knew. I was never home. I was putting church members and partners in churches over my kids' needs, my wife's needs. I sat them all down, wrote them all handwritten letters. My daughter was two years old. I think my oldest was 12 or 13. And I read to them, I'm sorry, letters for putting things above them because my true calling from God is to be a kingdom man in my home. So it's important for you, if you hold that in, you're the only one fooling yourself because your children see the hypocrisy. If a father was evil or very angry with his child in this passage, he could legally hurt them. Colossians 3.21 says, Paul wrote, Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. You can exasperate them. You can hurt them by your behavior. And it can exasperate their relationship with God. There's, there's no doubt there's some people in this room right now who have a false view of who God is because of the actions of a mom and dad. And can I say I don't say this to make you feel guilty. I'm saying this to release you from it. Look, did you know this? You, are, you have either been a shame giver or a shame receiver. Some of you have received shame from your parents all your life. And so now you receive shame in your family relationship. Some of you have been a shame giver now because you were given shame. And here's what you need to do is you need to break off the chains of that shame, whether you're a shame giver or a shame receiver, and put it at the foot of the cross because you can get past that when you lean into your relationship with Jesus. And whether you've been that person that hurt people or you've received hurt yourself, you know this, that the chains can break not by your power, but by God's and his relationship with you. And so stirring up anger can happen naturally. Paul gives one specific, specific negative consequence of overbearing fathers. Children can quickly become discouraged. Overbearing parents. I uh, volunteer, I help coach high school basketball. And at the high school down the road during games, it's amazing what I hear from dads yelling at their kids on the court. It's just amazing. And I thought, man, I, I, I'm never going to be like that until I became the dad of a fifth grade girls uh, uh, basketball team. I'm not, I, I, when Lori's there, I'm not like that. Let's just say that. But we can discuss types of dads that are overbearing and demands the impossibility, impossible from his children. Possible examples include a dad who watches his children play sports, demands perfection on the field, a dad who expects every one of his children's grades to be an A+. Plus. Did you know your child may not get an A+, plus, but they need to do their best? My children are so different. My oldest son has a different personality. My youngest son receives things differently. I, I love basketball. My oldest son was really good at basketball when he was younger. And I think a sixth grader, he, he uh, made the junior high team. And then he quit. He quit and chose rodeo over basketball. 
epic failure as a parent. I'm like, what are you doing? I was upset. I was coaching. Here's the son. He's going to be a basketball player. Then I was teaching my youngest son, Jonathan, how to play basketball. And he was at rodeo and, and he would come from home from rodeo or at the gym. And he picked up the ball, cowboy boots and a hat, shoots a three-pointer, makes it and just walks off. And I'm just like, I hate you. <laughs> and then what does my youngest son do? He sells me out. He's into video editing and that stuff. So he leaves my basketball dreams. But my daughter is holding the mantle, the mantle. She's holding it right now. Do you know that success as a parent is not leaving behind what you like or don't like? They may like the very things you dislike. We provoke them to anger when we force them into what we think they should be instead of leaning into what God wants them to be. Here's the last thing. Here's the biggest thing I want you to learn from this message. Parents are to teach their children to know and love God. Look at the last verse, the last part of the verse. But brings them up, brings them up, brings them up, brings them up. Say that with me. Brings them up. Say it again. Brings them up. Our job is not to win every day to the parent. Our job is to over a lifespan to bring our children up in the Lord. In other words, to have a culture, a culture in our home of teaching them about God and encouraging them to serve God. The verb translated bring them up is the same verb that Paul used to describe the way that a person provides for his own body. Parents are to lovingly care for their children. Paul instructs the male or the single parent or the mom of the home, the household to conduct themselves toward those under their authority with restraint and for their good. The phrase that the CSB and the NIV translates training and instruction is also translated discipline and instruction. Did you know sometimes you are helping your child by telling them no? No. Say it with me. Ready? No. Say it like you mean it. No. You're about to pick up your children. The music's playing. Say it. Ready? No. Look at your student right now. No. Look at your, uh, 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 no, don't look at your spouse. Okay. No. You know what we've done in Hamilton County? We've got our children involved in every activity known to man. We're broke and it's no joke because we're paying for every sport. We've become Uber drivers for our children. Instead of realizing that the greatest influence in a child's life is not the travel ball team. It's the mom or dad who loves Jesus and will lean into that and show them the love of Jesus. I'm not against the travel ball team. I'm not against activities. But what I am against is for us to allow them to take the place of what God intended for the home. And that's a mom or that's a dad to show them who Jesus is. It's important to note that the rearing of children in the Jewish tradition includes not only providing for their physical needs, but also showing them affection and especially teaching them the law of God. The training and instruction was a natural thing for Paul to say because when God created the home, he created mom and dad to train and instruct. If you discuss the the Greek word translated Lord, the word indicates that the training and admonishing come from the Lord or prescribed by the Lord through the parents 
The parents are the Lord's agents and therefore raise their children according to his mandates. So sometimes parenting may not be a popular gig. Anybody got a teenager in their home? Sometimes being a parent means I'm to see things my child cannot see. Therefore, they may have a little discomfort for a season. They may not understand the no for a season. But over time, they can connect your uh, actions to responsibility as a parent. Here, here's, here's, here's what I want to leave you with. We should give our children the impression that the most wonderful thing in the world is Christianity and that there is nothing in life comparable to being a Christian. And all we do and all we say, let them know that we ourselves are bond servants of Jesus Christ, that God in his grace has opened our eyes and awakened us to the most glorious thing in the world and that our greatest desires for them is that they may enter into the same knowledge and have the same joy and have the same highest privilege possible in the world, that of serving the Lord and living to the praise of the glory of grace. Listen, some of you are running so fast, you're leaving your children behind when it comes to instructing them in the Lord. Turn off the computer. Shut down the game system a little while. Put down the phone and realize Quit living in the shame of what you did in the past. Understanding, Dad, you've got to be there for your child. Mom, you've got to be there for your child. You are the best thing for them in their life. And I don't care what they've seen you done wrong. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the accuser says. You are a child of God. And the past is the past. You're headed into the future for eternity with Jesus Christ. And rise up again, Mom. Rise up again, Dad. And rear your children to the glory of God. So, parents, consider what part of life are you making look most attractive to your kids? Don't fake it here and then go home and let them be disappointed in who God is in your life. If you're wrong, admit you're wrong. What's the most attractive? Because you're teaching them without even saying a word what's the most important to you. You say, Pastor Mark, I've already reared children. They're out of my home. I have a broken relationship with my children or, or I didn't do this while they were there. It's never too late. By you glorifying God with your life, you living a life of God, you leave everything else up to him. You leave everything else up to him. Look, can I just end with this? Your kids can grow up in your home. They can go to church and they can still choose a different path. You can lay your head down at night knowing that you were successful in parenting, not because of a perfect home, but because your actions leaned into a walk with Jesus Christ. I, I'm, I'm proud of my kids. Can I, can I just be a proud dad for a moment? You say, well, that's a sin. It's my sin. Deal with it. Both my boys left the home this morning at 6 a.m. to come serve this church. This is a, this is, I I say this unashamedly, it's a family business. When you got me, you got my family. Suckers. No, I'm just kidding. Someone said to me, Mark, aren't you so proud? Uh, uh, Don't you hope they follow you in ministry? No. 
In fact, I'll try and discourage them from it because I want it to be a calling of God. No. You know what I want for my children? For them to see an imperfect person that they call dad, that makes mistakes and has to say, I'm sorry and has to work it out with his family and is not perfect and gets angry sometimes and flies off the handle over the stupidest things but has to get back up and say, I'm dad, I'm imperfect, your heavenly father loves you and I need your forgiveness and I'm gonna lead this family the right way. What they need to see is a mom that's not perfect, but loves Jesus, is gonna lean into the things of God. And I wanna challenge you this morning that quit chasing the experts Quit making children happy in the sense that that's all you think about and understand that they are seeing what's important to you and they will mimic what you do. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you made a decision or would like to know more about us, you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at Hamilton Hills Church. Also, if our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation, you can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org slash give. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast.